Blog Talk Radio. family. We're coming to you live from the EAL Radio Show Studio in St. Augustine, Jacksonville, Ponte Vedra, Florida. Thanks for listening to Eastern Airlines Talk Radio. My name is Neil Holland, the producer of the show, and we have a great show for you tonight. And to all the listeners around the world, yes, around the world, we say welcome to our show. with us. My name is Chuck Albright. I'm sitting in for Jim Hart tonight, and I'm coming from you from uh, the center of uh, Florida. They call it the Villages. We had a balmy 80 degrees today. Welcome, and thank you for listening and calling the show. You've truly made us the radio voice of Eastern Airlines. In fact, we can now say Eastern Airlines International Radio Show, with over 50 countries listening in. We love to hear your comments and share your memories with the radio listeners from around the world during the broadcast. If you haven't called a show before, all you need to do is call 213-816-1611 and just say hello and talk to us on the air, live. We can identify many countries around the world who, li- who listen in with our Blog Talk Radio application. Isn't it great that we can keep the Eastern legacy alive? going out to not only the Eastern family, but to the listeners from different countries around the world. That's what we try to do every week on the EAL radio show. Won't you join us by adding your voice to the broadcast? Our thanks also to those who choose to listen by computer using the radio icon on our homepage at www.ealradioshow.com or perhaps by signing in on the site of our Blog Talk Radio at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. And remember to abbreviate the word Captain to C-A-P-T. Should you wish to talk during our live broadcast, feel free to use our call-in number, 213-816-1611 at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Let me repeat the number so you can write it down for your Monday night visits. 213-816-1611. By the way, don't forget to tell your friends all about us. And don't forget, you can listen to any of our 411 Monday night broadcasts with 75-plus Thursday broadcasts by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward 
forward slash Captain Eddie. That's Captain Eddie, and scrolling down through the archives of the broadcast, each episode is briefly described, and we're getting really, really close to 500 episodes. Holy blue Sunoco, as Jim would say. Our lines are always open for calls, and if you choose not to participate and talk live with our hosts, we ask you to please mute your phone, as our producer does not have the capability of filtering out background noises, you know, like the ice and the glass stuff. I see we're number one for takeoff, so Captain, let's get flight 412 in the air. All right, Eastern 412, you're cleared for takeoff. Roger, we're on the roll. publication by and for the former pilots of Eastern Airlines, who in 1990 became suddenly retired when the courts declared Eastern bankrupt and unable to pay more than a fraction of their pilots and the other employees their expected planned retirement. But their continued bonding together and lifelong friendship and a 2,000-member retired Eastern Pilots Association with its magazines and stories about their fellow members proved to be so interesting that their stories were well-received and appreciated. Since 1971, the association, association has accumulated hundreds of these true personal stories of heroes, triumph, and tragedies in their bound publication, Repartee. Your life, cry, and congratulate these men who lived through the barnstorming days of early aviation, open cockpit flights, days of instrument pioneering, and up to the big jet days. Eastern aircraft were the first in many categories and are the backdrop for the most exciting stories in this book, and not a page is dull. The only problem your editors had is a selection of stories that we had room for in this first limited edition. 
It would be impossible for any author, however experienced, to single-handedly weave the story of the early days of an airline's history and the pilots who flew the aircraft. These pioneer pilots were asked to fly in darkness as well as daylight, good weather and bad, fog, rain, and snow with the most crude, in today's comparison, instruments, roads, railroad tracks, and early radio ranges were their only means of navigation. Landing at night with only the glow of flare pots put out earlier by ground personnel, that was a challenge that modern-day airmen cannot fathom with their full automatic landing systems. Only by strained listening for the sound of their own course signal in their headset, sorted out from the many other sounds on the aircraft and storm static, could these early pilots bring their aircraft in for landing. In this book, such experiences of unavoidably getting lost were told in stark words. We owe much to these heroes of aviation and their progress. Their experiences and improvements which followed account for a vastly safer airline system in the USA and wherever airplanes operate today. The subtitle of the book, The Best of Repartee, is Heroes, Trumps, and Tragedies appropriate for the finest aviators. This was taken from the inside cover of the book, The Best of Repartee. It was edited by Captain Neil Holland and Rear Admiral John Engel. Dorothy? Late Captain Bill Moore Malone, editor of Repartee for 15 years, was asked to preface the book. Following is that preface. From the beginning, Eastern Airlines was a most unusual company. For one thing, the pilots were true individuals. In the early days, necessary, as the state of the art was just beginning being established. They played an integral part in the development of aviation, beginning with flying by instruments to advance navigation. Originally, Pilots were finding their way with the help of the old Adcock radio range. The Eastern Airline captains carried little leather notebooks containing diagrams of the four legs of the range, and after briefly refreshing their memory, they would execute the approach, devoting all their attention to flying the airplane. Not only did they guide the airplane in for a safe approach and landing, they captured the admiration of the new pilots coming to the company after World War II. From this unique relationship, they developed a sense of camaraderie that endured and was passed on to the new pilots who came later. The very first publication after the formation of REPA was in the form of a newsletter. It was not until Captain Gene Ramsey became REPA's secretary that it began to take the form of a magazine. The publications by this time had attractive covers. One featured a picture of Captain Gene Brown, seniority number one, wearing his helmet and goggles at the time he flew as an airmail pilot. Another contained Captain Frank Spurs' beautifully composed picture of the church in Charleston, South Carolina. The issues had pictures and interesting stories about the Eastern Airline pilots, and it set the tone for what was to come later. By 1984, and at the suggestion of Lou Transu, Reaper had purchased a computer and a daisy wheel printer, which at the time was quite advanced, and produced a higher grade of type. 
the publication moved from all capital letters to upper and lower case. Slick paper and a dramatic blue color were added. As computers and printers became more sophisticated and less expensive, the shift was made to a laser jet printer incorporated Times New Roman print, and the layouts were done using the desktop publishing program, Adobe PageMaker. But the cover pictures were, were caught the eye and tickled the curiosity to see what was inside the magazine. You could say that it was patterned after the old life magazines of the 1940s. The spring 1992 issue featured a life magazine cover in the pinup section. Innovations were added, such as a guess who picture, an obituary section, a personal interview with one of our pilots, an air mailbag of letters from the members, and a collage of pictures of happy people attending the annual Reaper Convention, just to mention a few. The conventions have attracted as many as 650 attendees. However, perhaps it is the stories written by the Eastern pilots that capture the most interest. The book, The Best of Repartee, contains some of the best stories over the years. Why did we did enjoy a most exciting profession? Why we say the name Repartee? Webster divines the word Repartee as quick and witty reply. It seemed appropriate for the newsletter slash magazine to change the name from simply newsletter to one more of the defined uh, definitions of repartee as defined by the Webster. And since it has been by nature quick wit to most airline pilots as written throughout the magazines, repartee was chosen, the name repartee was chosen. It's uh, It's just a coincidence that the first four letters of the word is abbreviated Retired Eastern Pilots Association. A name well chosen, don't you think? Here was a few stories from the brilliantly conceived newsletter magazine Repartee. Story number one was August 1972, Eddie Rickenbacker, Rockefeller Plaza in New York City. On my recent return to the city, I found your letter of December 19th and feel honored indeed that I was chosen by Easton's Retired Pilots Association to receive the first honorary life membership. I am planning to attend the retiree dinner on January 21st and look forward to a great deal of pleasure to greeting you and all the other old-timers. In the meantime, the kindest regards and best wishes to you and yours and many healthy years ahead. Sincerely, Captain Eddie. Story number two is... uh... Why I want to be an airline pilot. I want to be an airline pilot when I grow up because it's a fun job, easy to do. That's why there's so many pilots flying around today. Pilots don't need much school. They just have to learn to read numbers and so they can read the instruments. I guess they should be able to read road maps so they can find their way if they get lost. Pilots should be brave. So they won't be scared if there's a foggy day and they can't see or the wing or the motor falls off and they should stay calm. <laughs> Pilots have a good eye to see through the clouds. They can't be afraid of lightning or thunder because they're closer to that than we are. The salary pilot makes is another thing I like. <laughs> 
They make more money than they can spend. This because people think planes flying is dangerous, except pilots don't be, don't become don't be because they know how to st- stay easy. There isn't much I don't like, except that girls like pilots, and all the stewards want to marry pilots, so they're always around chasing them away. So we don't bother them. I hope I don't get airsick because. I sure get car sick, and I, if I get air sick, I couldn't be a pilot. Then I'd have to go to work. Well, that was something by an unknown pre-teenager. Wait till he grows. Number three is Howard Lee P.O. Clemens, an unforgettable person. I don't want to say character because it doesn't sound complimentary to me. P.O. was a loyal Eastern employee and a friend. I knew first uh, knew P.O. back in the 30s. He worked at Vero Beach Airport, and trips 9 and 10 made a stop on their way from Miami to Chicago run. Bud Holman, a well-known and respected man of Vero Beach and the state of Florida, was an EAL manager at Vero Beach, but P.O., was the head man of our airport operations. Many old-timers will remember this. Each time a flight came into Vero Beach, the passengers and crew were served up a cup of cold orange juice. This was carried on for a long time. I don't know when the practice started or ended. Two of our Miami pilots, Bob Chu and Charlie Myers, were in business with Bud Holman on a new grapefruit grapefruit grove west of the airport. I remember when flying with either one, we would swing out west to get a low-altitude look at the young trees. There was no altitude or route restrictions back then. One night, coming south on Old Trip 9 with Frank Kern, we made the schedule Vero Beach stop. P.O. was working and when we were ready to, for departure, he said he wanted to get on board and to, to hop out at the end, the north end of the field. Seems he had a female problem. <laughs> P.O. was a single and event, evidently much in demand. There was a girl at the field waiting for him to take off. P.O. had another date, so he wanted to ditch this one. <laughs> He told the girl that he had to go to Miami for a meeting. I've heard that before. At departure time, P.O. boarded and we taxied to the north end of the field for takeoff to the south. When we turned around, P.O. went back, opened the door, and hopped out. When the girl at the field saw the takeoff, she went back to town, and P.O. made his way back in the dark to the terminal and later filled his other date. Lucky guy. Yeah. Yeah. Here's story number four. Sounds kind of like a Laurel and Hardy thing here, but it's from a Captain G.H. <laughs> Prince from Ninsky Lake Trail, Atlanta, Georgia. This is to Captain Von, Van Roland, Manager Operations, Eastern Airlines, Atlanta, Georgia. Dear Captain Roland, on my days off, I contracted a, to repair a building which was severely damaged in a storm. When I got to the building, I found that the storm had knocked some of the bricks off the top. So I rigged up a beam 
with a pulley at the top of the building and hoisted up a couple of barrels of, of brick. When I repaired the building, there was a lot of bricks left over. I hoisted the barrel back up again and secured the line at the bottom of the at the bottom and then went up to fill the barrel with the extra bricks, then went back down to the bottom and cast off the line. Unfortunately, the barrel of bricks was heavier than I was, and before I knew it, what was happening was the barrel started up by yanking me off my off the ground. I decided to hang on and halfway up I met the barrel coming down and received a severe blow on the shoulder. I then continued up to the top, banging my head against the beam and getting my fingers stuck and jammed in the pulley. When the barrel hit the ground, it burst, op- burst open and allowing the bricks to spill out. Oh, God. I now was heavier than the bricks, so it started back down again at a high rate of speed. Halfway down, I met the barrel coming up and received several injuries on my shins. When it hit the ground, it landed on the bricks. Getting, I landed on the bricks, getting several painful cuts from the sharp edges. At this point, I've lost all my presence of mind because I let go of the line, and the barrel came down, giving me another blow on the head, and that put me in the hospital. I respectfully request sick leave. Respectfully, Pat Prince. <laughs> oh boy! All Talk right. about a chain that's, of events. That's yeah. Hysterical. All right. And this is not as funny. Passenger leaps to death from an Eastern Air transport. That the date was exactly three three nineteen thirty three 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 thirty three. Something happened on my plane that I've never heard of before, breathlessly reported arriving Eastern Transport pilot George D. Pomeroy to the manager of the Charleston, South Carolina airport, T.P. Ball. And I bet you haven't either. His debt was safe. Perhaps no other U.S. airline pilot before or after has been through an experience exactly like this. Certainly it was a first for EAT. That was Eastern Air Transport back then. On March 3, 1933, his pilot, Pomeroy, prepared for his approach to the schedule landed at Charleston en route from Miami to Newark. A passenger had just jumped out of the cabin door at an altitude of about 600 feet, some 30 miles south of the airport. The Trimotor Stimson Model U was one acquired by EAT in the purchase of the Ludington Line just a few weeks earlier, and it had 10 window seats with aisle down the middle. The cabin door on the right rear and a cruise speed of 110 miles an hour. The cabin boasted no stewardesses and no co-pilot. The title of captain on domestic airlines had not yet come to use. The tragedy happened about noon as passengers were still eating their box lunches handed to them as they had reboarded after a refueling stop at Jacksonville. Charleston police and the authorities were notified and the flight delayed while the pilot and remaining six passengers were questioned. One passenger in the rear seat stated he had heard something behind him and turned just in time to see a passenger's head disappear below the sill of the partially open cabin door before the wind pushed it shut. No passenger doors were locked in those early days. The victim, and presumed suicide victim, was Merrill B. King, a 45-year-old paper manufacturer from Kalazoo, Michigan, and the president of Rex Paper Company there. He was returning home via New York following a business trip to Havana. During the intermediate stop at Jacksonville, he had complained to other passengers 
of a severe headache, and he also mentioned recent business reverses. His brother-in-law from Kalamazoo arrived the next day to coordinate and assist in the search and announced a new hire reward of $200. The Kalamazoo American Legion Post wired the Charleston County Service Officer representing veterans of World War One that King was an ex-serviceman who was active in the American Legion Affairs. And this brought out many local legionnaires as volunteer searchers. A force of seaboard railroad workers also joined and concentrated on and near the railroad, railroad right-of-way. There is much more to this story, as told by Mr. John P. Engel, who was working for Easton and Charleston at the time. He was also was a member of the search team, among other notables like Mr. Bevo Howard, who later became one of Eastern's most skilled and loved aerobatic pilots. Now, what I just uh, related uh, doesn't have an ending that, that they found the fellow. I'm not sure I know if they did or not. Anyhow, yes, Don, they, yes, they did. They did. Okay, they did find him. Yes, yes. Okay, story Good. number. Number six, Dear Lee Hines, please pardon my tardiness in replying to your letter of October 8th. I'm sorry to learn that your physical condition has required your four hospitalizations in the past year and may result in retirement from the company for medical reasons. You mentioned your shock at having your career terminated so suddenly and unexpectedly. Stop feeling sorry for yourself, as there are many in the same boat with you and our association, including myself. It may help you, uh, your moral, a bit if I can pass along a few thoughts given me by a friend who is a priest that called on me in the hospital when I was beyonding uh, the early end of my flying career. His thoughts went like this. Don't give a thought about yesterday. There is nothing you can do to change any part of it. Don't be concerned or worried about tomorrow. Events will shape it, and they are mostly beyond your control. Did anyone plan for their sons or themselves to be shot down on the beaches of Normandy? Not being concerned about yesterday or tomorrow leaves us today. Make the most of every day you can out of this very minute of this very day. Savor it. Enjoy it. Each new morning, give thanks to the Almighty for another dawn you have been spared to witness. Enjoy the beauty of the blue sky and the clouds that float across it. Enjoy each note of a songbird you hear and all the beauties of nature. Enjoy your family and friends. This minute of this day is yours. Wishing you the best of everything to you and yours. Sincerely, Jack Lambie. The letter was written by Captain Jack Lambie, Vice President of Eastern Airlines, to Captain Lee Hines. How nice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, the 2019 repartee in its present form is about to be mailed to the members and affiliate members of Re. The new Repartee magazine will have a new form that will still keep our members informed with news, events, and such. 
It will probably take a more newsletter appearance as opposed to the magazine format we have used over the past decades. If you would like to receive repartee in this new format, your listeners I'm talking to, please drop us an email and we will let you know how to subscribe. There is a modest charge. Neil has told you about the publication for that many years served retired Eastern pilots, their families, and friends who wanted to keep up with our retirees. Our website, www.reaponline.com, is another medium that you can go to that is for and about the retired Eastern pilots. It has been a labor of love, which over the years, all the editors of Repartee took time away from their retirement activities to keep our members informed. Now, this morning, April 6th, the final proof of the 2019 Repartee was approved by our graphics designer, Kelly Fizzell, sitting in for me. This at Gear Graphics, our printing company for the past 16 years. And it now goes into the printing and mailing process that will result in about 735 magazines being dropped at the post office in about two weeks. All are going to be mailed by first class this year, as the post office really has not done a good job on those sent by standard mail, resulting in a lot of headaches for Jerry Frost and myself. As mentioned recently in emails and on the REPA website, the REPA board unanimously decided to make a major change in the format and frequency of future repartee publications. It is not firmed up entirely quite yet, though. I have been the REPA editor and webmaster for 16 years, and this 2019 issue will be the 26th magazine that I have published along with seven annual rosters. That has been a long time and a lots of ink as Neil would say. So with the major changes coming regarding the Repartee magazine, it is time for your editor to paraphrase what General Douglas MacArthur famously said almost 70 years ago. Old editors never die. They just fade away. <laughs> Thus, I will be sending... <laughs> Please don't fade Thus, too I will far. Be sending my resignation effective June 1st, out to the REPA board and others after we sign off tonight. It's been a while. Thank you. You know what it's like. You've done a you great cer- job. You certainly have done a great job. Yep. And great uh, I want to com- commend you and especially you and Jerry Frost for all that you did, all the work that you did, and uh, both of you had some help from uh, Jim Daugherty, I, I believe, uh, uh, when you did the research on putting the tablets or the table or the uh, names of all the pilots uh, in the mm-hmm. Atlanta terminal. Right. That and, was uh, yeah, it was great. It really was, and uh, we're real proud of that. Uh, you know, while living in Pensacola back in 1999, I received a call from one of my favorite pilots, Captain Bill Malone. Uh, he was the editor of the Retired Eastern Pilots Association magazine, Repartee, and he called to ask if I would be interested in taking over as the editor of the magazine. Shocked as to why he thought of me to take over as editor of Repartee, Wow, I was really shocked. The leading association magazine of any airline at that time and still today for pilot retirees. After describing how he put the magazine together and 
meeting him at his home in Atlanta. I accepted the challenge. What the hell? I had an office in Jacksonville with plenty of space to do the necessary research and file storage. And more importantly, I had as my best friend and sidekick, Admiral John P. Engel, who wrote the story that uh, the, the passenger leaping out of the EAT transport because he was there. But more importantly, I had as my friend uh, John Engel, and, and uh, he was the former Eastern manager of sales and marketing and station manager for Eastern prior to his retirement in 1978. And at the time, John was about 90 years old, 90 years wow. young, I should say, because his mind was so young, and I, I gained so much, so much history of Eastern. Uh, I was his escort whenever they had a flag officer's meeting and got to have a black tie dinner aboard the aircraft carrier, the USS John F. Kennedy, with all the retired admirals in the Jacksonville area. He was a wealth of knowledge about Eastern, having been hired back in 1932 with over 41 years of service with Eastern. And the two of us worked well together, putting out three issues a year for four years when my business became too much to handle along with the work of putting out the Repartee magazine for three times a year, attending conventions and board meetings and designing and maintaining a website and the repo online that Jim talked about. It was a pleasure to find someone as dedicated and talented as Captain Jim Holder to take over all this work and much more. Thank you, Jim for all the excellent work you have put into the finest publication for our retired pilots, one that's copied in the industry, because when I was the editor, I had folks from National Airlines and TWA. They actually called me to find out things about the construction of our magazine, how we put it together. And so we were the envy of other airline retired magazines. So the show is dedicated, this show is dedicated to the best still to this day, I believe. Retired Airline Pilots Magazine, Repartee, however you want to pronounce it. And you've given thousands of readers your magazine over the years the best news and stories of America's greatest airline, Eastern Airlines. Well, that's our program for the repartee and any discussion about uh, any of you guys that are on the line, I'm going to open all the microphones and uh, we can talk about some things about the magazine or um, over the years or some of the stories and, or either how to go about finding out if you can get some copies. I think Jim Holder had a few issues of some of the past magazines. Do you still have those around Jim Holder? Uh, only the last, uh, two out of the last three I do, and I have only about six or seven, but I'll be glad to mail them to anybody that gets in touch with me. That's great. Jerry Frost, are you uh, Neil? still with us? Yeah. yeah, I am, Neil. I just wanted to put my two cents in. Uh, Jim and I work together almost every day, and I want to tell you, Jim Holder is, is an absolute saint. I he stepped up, right. you know, Neil, after yourself and uh, Bill Malone and uh, took on this endeavor of, of repartee. And 
between the three of you through the years, you've done a spectacular job, and I, I'm just thrilled to, to just be a little part of it. Uh, I want to remind everybody they're asking about back issues of Repartee. Several years ago, we produced a, uh, uh, a CD, actually a DVD that can be played on your computer, of all of the issues of Repartee uh, existing since its origin back in 1972 up to 2007. We do have on a disc in a PDF format, all in color. Uh, you can print it out and it'll look just like the original magazine as you would have received it in the mail. Since 2007, I have digitized all of the uh, newer repartees up to the present and including our final issue that will be released and mailed to the membership here in the next uh, week or two. And I still have uh, several copies left of the uh, of the DVD, and uh, anybody that would uh, like one for a minimal charge uh, because of the cost it took to produce uh, uh, the disc uh, can get in touch with any of us Neil, myself, uh, Jim Holder. Uh, uh, my email address is as treasurer, as your treasurer of Repartee, is uh, my short email, so you can remember it. It's just the initials E A L E R, obviously standing for Eastern Airliner. That's E A L E R at Comcast.net. And if you get in touch with me, I can make arrangements to uh, send you a, uh, a digital copy of all of the Repartee magazines up to 2007. And I intend to uh, make a newer uh, CD or DVD of all of the issues since then. So, again, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Jim. And Bill Malone, God bless you up there in heaven. Thank you for Repartee. Back to you, Neil. Uh, Jerry, uh, you guys did a great job, and and you've been you've been a director on the board. How long now have you been the treasurer? Oh gosh! Has he ever stopped? Has he ever stopped? Oh. I I was approached by the uh, at that time the uh, uh, current treasurer, <laughs> Repartee asking if I would like to take over. It was a real easy job, and uh, I guess I had a few drinks that night at the convention, <laughs> so I volunteered. Well, I think that was 15 years ago, <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah. I, I'm still here. But I really enjoy it. I enjoy keeping uh, in touch with all of my fellow pilots and Eastern uh, employees and, uh, uh, wherever you are. Uh, we're all a big family, and... Uh, I, I to, to my dying day, I guess I, I'll be your your treasurer because nobody else wants a job, and Jim <laughs> can attest to that because he can't find a replacement as, as editor. And uh, I was told at the time that if I ever wanted to uh, give up this job as treasurer, I'd have to go out and find my own replacement. Well, I've been trying for years and I haven't found him yet. <laughs> oh, that's a well. I think Gene Stevens uh, was right before you. I think you took his. I uh, know, no, it wasn't Gene Stevens. It was Dick uh, Nellis. Dick Nellis. Uh, yeah, was it was it Dick Nellis. Yeah, Dick Nellis. And uh, okay. actually, Dick it was Nellis, Beth yeah. Nellis that really ran the show as as treasurer. That's right. Yeah. 
<laughs> God bless her. Oh, but yeah. uh, uh, I've enjoyed it ever since. I've had absolutely no regrets, and I'm very honored at each convention, at our business meeting, when the uh, candidates for the the board uh, of that year uh, always seems to appoint me, and they voted me. And I really appreciate their trust in me, and uh, uh, I, I feel it an honor in, in keeping this operation going. Well, thank Good you. Good job to all of you. Yeah, great job. Yeah, and all done a great job. And it's you a know, great match it, and uh, everybody around that has one just loves it. So obviously, yeah. you guys have always done the right thing by pursuing and forging ahead for all of it. You know, one thing that I uh, uh, had that uh, it was read tonight uh, in putting this together. Uh, and you guys remember this, uh, uh, Jim Holder, uh, the magazines contained, and, and Bill Malone had this, uh, he, he started this, putting a pen up. But do you remember in the old Life magazines that they had the pen up section in there? And I think the first one that he had in the uh, issue, in that issue, when he started that was uh, Betty Grable. That famous pose, mm-hmm. looking over her shoulder, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and those beautiful legs, and uh, but that was uh, that was so interesting. That part of it uh, in the magazine, there were so many good features Why did it of stop, that magazine. You know? it, it was the mailbag, uh, the letters that were written by pilots uh, every time that the issue went to press, uh, all the collection of those and. And the memorial section was really very, very good uh, put together that uh, we had a picture of the person that uh, that passed and a little bio about that person written by a family member. Uh, very touching. And in the cover of most all the magazines was the memorial section of all those. Sadly, that, that got to be a very big part of the magazine, too. It did. It did. Yeah. yeah, it's 35 in the one coming out. Oh, wow. my gosh. And I That's looked at the list last year, Jim Holder. It was really – how many? I think the highest was 44 last year, but it's oh, 35 wow. this year. That yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had we had another section in the magazine, Guess Who?, uh, one of the young pilots, uh, when they were real young, and we tried to guess who that person was, uh, uh, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. The magazine was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I was very uh, disappointed, Neil. You had me as a guess who one time, and nobody guessed me. I guess I looked too much <laughs> like a little kid. <laughs> you mean your your, your darling Terry didn't friend. even recognize you? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It was made back in about 19 when I was in Mississippi Air Guard. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I remember that. Like... And she remembers that. <laughs> uh, Jim, oh, well. Uh, Carrie, did you ever help Jim put uh, put the magazine together, or did you just let him have his way there? Well, pretty much he did all of that himself except for – um, when it was ready to get right before it was ready to go to geographics, we would um, proofread it a lot and 
Yeah. Um, I helped a lot with the proofing. She would always find stuff that me and uh, that we met that we missed. Kelly uh, yeah. and I missed completely, and Terry would find it. So we had to have it run by her. And, uh, <laughs> she, she earned her money. I mean, she got paid big bucks for that too, you know, like everybody else did. Well, and I, I'm glad that uh, you kept my daughter uh, busy from time to time by sending her some yeah, stuff to right. uh, she to type and send too. in. Uh-huh. Yeah, she helped uh, us an awful lot. She's gonna yeah. be shown as secretary on the, uh, the issues just coming out. You know, she's sort Very of good. resigned because of her husband, but uh, yeah, she's gonna keep yeah. her there for this one. Well, uh, Neil, I put her to work doing that. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, it's Jerry again. Uh, we can't leave the program tonight. Uh, without mentioning a very important person of repartee, and I'm sure Jim will agree, and that's Kelly Frizzell. And I'm going to let Jim yes. talk about her for a minute. Good. Kelly Good. Frizzell. Kelly Frizzell. Listen, when I took over, and I don't want to, I'll try to get this as fast as I can. When I took over, I didn't know diddly squat about it. The only thing I knew about repartee was how to read it. And, I, hey, and wait, I, my daughter. Jim, my, huh? that's, that's not fair. I, I left you about a four-inch thick binder uh, notebook of how to do it. <laughs> okay, you're right. But I'd better say I didn't know how to do it. It sounds better. <laughs> My daughter worked for Geographics and, uh, at the time. And I, I tried and tried to put this thing together, and I, was, didn't, I knew I had to have somebody. I didn't use the guy that you had down in Jacksonville. And somehow, yeah. Kelly Frizzell, I think, through the Silver Falcons, heard about me wanting to do that. And she was just getting started. And she called up and wanted to know if I would be interested in letting her come over and interview. So she came over one night, and she had a little kit of stuff she pulled out. And it was some really good-looking magazine stuff that she was doing. And I thought to myself, well, this is really looking great. Well, <laughs> the lady that was assigned to be our agent at geographics jackie i've forgotten her last name she said we don't know kelly we don't know who she is she then this is you know you can you need to have somebody that really knows how to do a magazine and we got this guy that we're going to recommend he lived up in snailville and i went up there and talked to him i called him they went up and talked to him and i had big time reservations about this guy he was he didn't he coming in, just I just didn't like him undoubtedly did not like him and I'm going to take this as quick as I can but we went ahead and his price to do it was about double what Kelly wanted to do uh, wanted to uh, charge yeah. us and we put that magazine together but if it had been one more week I think me and that guy got the fight I could <laughs> I mean I cannot sit here and tell you all the crap that I had from him. And I was sitting there thinking, good, Lord Almighty. And so we got the magazine of Geographics, and it was okay per Geographics. But I told my agent over there, Jackie, I said, well, let me tell you about this guy. And she just stopped dropping her mouth and said, I can't believe that this guy said all those kind of things and what he was going to do, and I had to make an appointment to talk to him. And, oh. and I mean, it just was terrible. Oh, and, he, and his price was about double. Jackie, I mean, for uh, Kelly. And we got it out. And I was thinking, golly. And then Kelly said, we're not ever going to recommend that guy to anybody. And I got a letter in the mail about two or three days later, and he said, okay, now for the next issue, it's going to cost twice as much. 
And I'll tell you, I have never enjoyed anything like I did. I wrote him a letter fired, and it was more yeah. fun doing that than telling that guy. And I got <laughs> Kelly to come over here, and, I mean, she has been a doll. She's yeah. easy to work with, call her any time of the day or night, and she'll try to figure out what we're doing and get it straightened out. And Kelly Frizzell is the reason this magazine has looked so good as it has been the last oh, 26, 25 issues. That first one was yeah. this other guy. But I'll tell you, I just love dropping that letter in the mail to him and telling him that his, his, uh, <laughs> we didn't need him anymore. Don't even call <laughs> I mean, that he had the nerve to send us uh, saying, okay, yeah, that was an introduction <laughs> price and doubled it for the next one. Oh, my God. Wow. Terrible. So Sounds like take this Well, you know, Bill Malone was always doing his magazine uh, and binding it with what is known in the uh, binding business as saddle stitching, which mm-hmm. was uh, stapled. And uh, I'll never forget when he turned it over to me. I didn't know anything about binding of magazines and and John Engel and I went down to the printer here in Jacksonville, and we told him what we wanted, and, and I showed him an old copy of the, the last month's copy that Bill did. And he said, yeah, we can do that. And they, what they do is run off sheets of the magazine uh, that uh, contained four pages, and, of course, you had to uh, have them uh, numbered uh, right. And and uh, he just uh, had them in stacks, and we had to take them and, uh, and we actually did some saddle stitch, stitching ourselves and then cutting and trimming the edges ourselves. So we got involved in that. And, I, and I, that first copy I did, I said, there's got to be a better way. And that's when <laughs> Perfect Binding came in. And I learned all about that. And then that's uh, when we went to uh, Perfect Binding, which was uh, the, the method that you used to put uh, the magazine together, too. But it was a brilliant magazine from all the editors, and I guess there must have been, over the years, I believe, 12 Rollo Owens, I can remember, Art Birchgott, um, uh, just so many of them. that, And some of them were really great writers like Rollo and, of course, Bill Malone. Always, I, I told Joy, his wife, the last time I saw her at one of the conventions years ago, after Bill had passed away, I said, do you mind if I put all of the collective work of Bill Malone together in a book and and uh, and get it to uh, the Eastern folks? And she said, no, be your guest. Send her one. But I never did. Never did do that. But uh, I did have the pleasure of interviewing Bill Malone for the Hall of Fame for that year. And um, never forget being in his uh, hotel room and and he says, now, don't you don't you mention that, you know, in his squeaky little voice. And uh, don't put that in there. That's just between you and me. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun, I, I must say. It was really fun. And we've had the pleasure not only of being involved with REPA over the years and this radio show that I've never left Eastern, even though it went out of business. I feel like I'm still employed with Eastern in a different it's like department. like being a Marine. <laughs> yeah. It's like being a there Marine. You you're, you're always there. Yeah. There you go. Hey, Neil. Uh, yes, sir. Is Derek Duke still on? Uh, Derek, are you Derek, still, you with, still us? with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. 
I think, I think we'll let Derek tell us about some of the adventures he's had. I think, and I can't remember exactly how many, but Derek Duke, I think, has been with 12 different airlines. <laughs> he posted wow. one day it's up at the luncheon. <laughs> it's hard to hold a steady job, but, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to say to everybody on board, uh, that I did have the pleasure of uh, flying with every airline, uh, the legacy ones and and so forth, in some capacity, and they just don't touch Eastern Airlines. The mm-hmm. the love and respect and professionalism that Eastern Airlines generated among its people and the controversy, but it was all about love for the carrier, love for the wings of man. I yeah. mean, it's something to behold when you view it from my standpoint, because I served a long time uh, at Delta Airlines um, mm. as a check captain for them in the training command. And fantastic airline, but when you go to the things that we're cherishing here tonight, it just is not there. They have their own brand, but as United, as Americans, it's not there. And I really appreciate you gentlemen sharing stories that many of which I wasn't, I didn't get there until January of 73. And one story that I do love is I, we had a young Cuban, Carlos De La Vega, in my class. And Carlos remembers Eastern Airlines from the time he was about five years old because his dad in Havana shook him awake and said, son, we're going to leave Cuba and he remembers being smuggled out to the airport and put on board an Eastern Airlines flight and he went to Miami and when he got in our class after day one someone came in slipped in the back and tapped him on the shoulder and said come with me we took a pretty quick break and at that point we discovered Carlos had been told he was too short Oh. <laughs> now, the rest of the story is at this point, there was a Cuban in administration there in the Ivory Tower that got Carlos in to see Colonel Borman. And there they stood looking eye to eye. <laughs> and Carlos told the story, and Colonel Borman hit the intercom button and he says, so whoever his secretary was, do we have a height requirement at Eastern Airlines? She said yes, and whatever it was, she said it. And he looked over at Carlos and said, how tall are you? And Carlos said, 5'6". And Colonel Borman said, the new height requirement's 5'5". Five, five. Carlos, get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> back to class without the force. I love it. <laughs> and so, I mean, the what a good story that is, and, and there were a few more like that. But, again, my compliments to all of you for cherishing something that lives on today because of you, but because of the legacy of everyone you spoke about, Bill Malone, all those in front of him, with him. I mean, what great dedication to a wonderful purpose was served. One more story. My mother, in 1940, I believe three, was with my dad downtown Atlanta in front of the Weinkopf Hotel with the big transit 
center was. He was on crutches, in uniform, had been wounded, and he was going to the military hospital to get treated because he had a long recovery period. The line for a taxi and the buses was very long. All of a sudden, a black taxi cab came to a sudden stop and out jumped Captain Eddie. Looked at my mom and dad and said, this is your cab. Where you need uh, to go? And they told him he paid the fare and put him in that mm. cab and sent him on their way. And so you know which airline I wanted to work for, and I did. And it was a, a great job and uh, a wonderful time. And it was the first of ten and a half or eleven. It depends on how you count them. But everybody from Korean Air to uh, a few in uh, Europe and uh, around just going where after we broke up, you know, we're all heartbroken, but you go find a job. I was blessed to be able to find one. But I've really enjoyed this evening and and, and all the things that you gentlemen have contributed with the way of the magazine and the treasury. And we hope to see you all all reunion there in the new format in Atlanta. Or Marietta, yeah. as I say. I get big chicken land. <laughs> well, thank you, Derek. I think you're be a great speaker for us tonight. Well, thank that you. Was, uh, that was really good. It's been, well, one more story. You'll love this one. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I used to fly with Derek, and one more story sounds familiar. <laughs> sounds familiar. Well, hey, there I am on an Eastern DC nine in Savannah, Georgia. That's home base for me, right? So I meet the airplane, gonna go to Atlanta, and so I run around to the front bend, doing that quick run around, and I stick my head in, and I about jump fifteen feet because a black arm reached out and grabbed my hat off my head because I always wore my cap. <laughs> It was a dead gum monkey in a crate. Oh my word! <laughs> and to Savannah, and he hadn't been unloaded yet. So, oh, <laughs> but if you want to know something, I'll give you a start. A monkey in the dark. Oh yeah. <laughs> was he wearing a ramp uh, service uniform? Oh, you won there. <laughs> on. Uh, well, Derek, you're welcome to come back anytime. I hope you come back often, please. Well, thank you. I, I plan on it. Plan on it. Sure do. Good. Good. Very good. Okay, okay. Chuck. Yeah, I'd like Chuck? to mention. To all the guys here tonight that had the, these great stories, you know, uh, I obviously am not a pilot, but um, I heard some stuff from my dad who was there in 1937 to 52. But you guys had some terrific stories tonight, and I really appreciate you coming on the show to uh, let us hear all these things that had gone on in the past with Eastern Airlines. Thank you very much. We sure do. I want to thank all of thanks. you. And thanks to all our hosts that are with us every week because without you folks, the program wouldn't be as good. And uh, we really, really do appreciate that. Well, with that, 
I had two other comments, but I'm going to uh, not do those tonight. Uh, but Dorothy, since you're, you've got the microphone, so to say, would you please tell us what's coming up and uh, whatever you've got to report? I will. In fact, uh, I'm happy to say that our membership count, membership count is up to 1,021 members, thanks to another two members who signed up. One April 29th, Frances Whitman, she uh, was out of Miami, and with Eastern 1979 and 1991, and the other who joined May 4th was Frances Whitman, and she's out of Tampa Bay. Of course, we don't want to forget our sponsorship, Reaper, who we are so thankful uh, for them and all the other members who contribute to keeping our program going and the legacy of Eastern in the public eye. Without all of that, we wouldn't be able to stay on the air, and we truly, truly thank all of you. Uh, Reaper's first annual reunion is coming up. It's September 4th to the 6th. Wednesday or Friday, 2019, at the Embassy Suites Hotel in Kennesaw, Georgia. And more information is on the Reaper website at reaperonline.com. So be sure to go there. And uh, the magazine repartee has the applications uh, for you to uh, fill in and send in. Uh, that's about it for tonight. Let me just give you the future shows we have coming up. Uh, next week, we plan on Eastern's Air Cargo and History of Air Freight, following which we'll have Sunrise at Eastern. And then, of course, we can't forget our Memorial Day tribute and the flight of honor that we've had, uh, followed by the drone of future of drone aviation, and then followed by Eastern Family Hobbies. So we have a lineup coming up that is truly going to be some good ones. So please join us every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Thanks, and back to you, Neil. Well, thanks all tonight. It's been a great show. It's been a great run for the magazine. We hate to see it go, Jim Holder. Done a brilliant job, Jerry Frost, all of you guys uh, with the uh, association. And we're getting fewer but uh, we're still talking about Eastern, and that's the way I intend to, to um, continue talking as long as someone at the other end will be listening. We're talking about Eastern Airlines, and REPA has done some great things, and one of them was uh, Gene Casadabon, who just recently passed away uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, the um, retired Eastern Pilot Scholarship Foundation is doing real well at Auburn University, and we have had uh, many now over the years that have received scholarship money that uh, came from that uh, investment foundation that Auburn has, and we're real happy with that. And um, so that's why people still remember Eastern Airlines. That is anyone over 40 years old. Let's just say, I guess. But uh, it's been fun. So let's get the airplane on the on the ground. And, and, and did you uh, want to we'll say see. something about the uh, health news alert, Neil? Well, I, I was, but uh, I think I'll save that for another another time. Okay. And uh, uh, let's see if we can make a 
uh, three-point landing here. Sounds good. Captain, as usual. Be sure to tune in again next Monday, May 14th, when America's favorite way to fly returns to the cyberways, and the radio show explores the world of air cargo or air freight. With this, we sign off by playing a little ditty made popular by the champagne music man himself, Lawrence Welk. And one, and a two, and a three. <laughs> Good night, folks. Eastern family and friends from around the world. And good night, Eastern Airlines, wherever you are. We love you, Eastern. Eastern. We love you, Eastern. Good night, Eastern. Great job. Thank you. Good night. Good show. Thank you. Thank you. Reaper T. Good night, bye. Happy Reaper. Good night, Dick.